We'll be turning our Bibles to the book of Ephesians this morning, the book of Ephesians, and we're focusing on the amazing grace of God. We're focusing this morning on the amazing grace of God, and to begin with, let's read from Ephesians chapter 2, of course, verses 8 through 10, and we'll be spending some time uh, in this chapter and in this book. So grateful to have this tremendous opportunity, uh, not only to worship, but to be in God's Word for here just a few minutes, and then be able to move from here and do more singing, especially here in a little bit, focusing on our Lord and the communion and the sacrifice. But let's take a few moments to talk about this great theme, the amazing grace of God. Ephesians 2, beginning in verse 8, For by grace have you been saved through faith, this not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, 2 verse 10 says, We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, that aforetime were prepared that we should walk in them. Amazing grace of God. When you think of grace, and especially God's grace to save us, we think about God's desire to forgive us of our sins, to have us walk with Him on this earth, and to be with Him in eternity at His throne in heaven. And that this comes forth from all of His love and kindness and mercy Uh, that can possibly be uh, thought of, and that this was proven and made possible through Jesus Christ, His sacrifice and life and resurrection in our behalf, and how He has preserved these scriptures for us to find out about all of this. The amazing grace of God. It's hard to define it in one sentence or two, but it's something we all appreciate. Before we get into the main part of our thoughts, I want us to review a couple things about the grace of God. First, let's remember that God's grace is for everybody. It is for everybody. His kindness and mercy is extended to the whole world if anyone will listen. Hebrews 2 and verse 9, we read that by the grace of God, Jesus tasted death for every man. So it's extended to everybody. And then also let's remember that we learn about grace through a system of instruction. Instruction. God has preserved His Word. In fact, in in Acts 20 and verse 32, God's Word is called the Word of His grace. The Word of His grace. We read in Titus chapter 2, 11 and 12, that the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men, instructing us or teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. So God's grace is brought to us through a system of instruction. That's the way God has intended it. And then also remember that God's grace is conditional. It's conditional. God tests us. We have a role in bringing, bringing grace and bringing salvation and bringing all good things to God and from God uh, into our lives. We have a role in this. And so, as always, it's conditional. We remember that, that uh, 
It says back in Noah's day, Genesis 6 and verse 8, that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord, but Noah had to obey the Lord in all that he commanded concerning the flood and, and the ark and, and all things therein. And then remember this about God's grace. It is totally undeserved. It is undeserved. And though we submit to Him, yet we are totally reliant, relying upon Him. We are totally dependent upon Him for all that we may enjoy, spiritually speaking. So it's so totally undeserved. But how grateful we are. And only through God and His grace and His Son Jesus can we ever hope to have peace now and peace uh, forever. And so with these thoughts in mind, I want us to focus on, from the book of Ephesians, I want us to focus on a couple of things that God's grace can bring to us. First of all, God's grace can bring a new start for us. God's grace brings a new start. A new start. There are folks... Of course, wandering around on this earth, needing the Lord so desperately. There are some who ask the question, you know, um, well, who is God? Who is God? Like, like Pharaoh of old, when Moses came to Pharaoh, Exodus chapter 5, 1 and 2, uh, Pharaoh responded and said, well, who is the Lord that I should obey His voice? There are some wandering the earth who have never really given God much of a thought or much of a chance. And yet God's grace reaches them if they open up their heart. There are some who are wandering around asking the question, you know, how do I make sense of all of this? How do I make sense of life? Because life can be quite overwhelming with schedules and sicknesses and expectations and bills to be paid and meals to be prepared and and things go on and on, and it's every day, every day. Sometimes we get lost in the busyness of life, and we wonder, well, I, I, I want to follow God, but how do I make sense of God in the midst of all this busyness? And we, we need to be reminded that, that God is reaching out to us through His love and kindness, even though we can't make sense of life right now. There are some of us, I put all of us in this category, wondering about who have really messed up. All of us have messed up to one degree or another. It may be like a father who, who chased his career, but in chasing his career, he lost his family, and now his, his children are growing up, and he's not in their life. And he's wondering, is it too late for me? How did all this go wrong? Is it, is it too late for me? And... And still, you see, God's grace, His love, His mercy is intended for everyone and every, everybody, no matter what situation in life we may find ourselves. There are some who, who attend services at church, but they never really have gotten into it. They never really have wanted to open up the, the scriptures and follow along. They, they're just here because of a sense of duty, and when things are over, they'll be most, most happy to be able to leave, and that person may ask, you know, will I ever change, or do I need to ever change? No matter who we are, where we are, or what our thoughts are, we're reminded that God's love is, is just, just nearby, nearby, 
if we open up our heart to him. In other words, God's answer to the mess that we make in life is grace. Grace. His answer to us is, look at my love, look at my kindness, look at my mercy, look at my son, look at the sacrifice we made, look at the promises I'm holding out before you. His answer is, is grace. Now how do we, how do we in a practical way, how do we access this grace? Well, that's what the book of Ephesians is about. Paul says in Ephesians 2 verse 8, For by grace are you saved through faith. You see, saving is the same thing as cleansing. If you look in the same book, Ephesians 5 and verse 25 and 26, notice what Paul says there, Ephesians 5, 25 and 26. He says, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for it, that he might, notice this, Ephesians 5, 26, that he might sanctify it, having cleansed it by the washing of water and the word. Notice that. Notice that. Paul's not talking about something different in chapter 2 and, some, and something else in chapter 5. When he says, we're, by grace we are saved through faith, and then he says, well, God cleanses and sanctifies people through the washing of water and the word. That's the same idea. That's, that's salvation. Salvation is just termed salvation in verse 8, but it's called cleansing or sanctifying here. But notice it is through God's grace, our faith, and a washing that we undergo. A washing that we undergo. And that can be nothing else other than, than baptism. You know, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13 says, For through by one spirit are you all baptized into one body. And, and Paul often refers to that body as the church. So can you see the connection there? How that here he says we are, the church is cleansed by the washing of water, and then First Corinthians twelve thirteen says, "Now we're baptized into that one body, and that body is is the church." Okay. So, see, by grace are you saved through faith. When our faith responds to God's love and His instructions, and then we are practically applying His love into our lives. That new start happens because. We're cleansed of our sins. But also this new start can be called a resurrection. Notice here in Ephesians 2, the first few verses, you'll remember that when we're in sin, we are dead in sin. We are dead in sin. In other words, spiritually, we're just dead before God. Okay. But, let's pick up in verse 4. This is so beautifully written. Ephesians 2, verse 4. But God, being rich in mercy... For the great love wherewith he has loved us, even when we were dead through our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. Notice that. Those who become Christians were once dead through their trespasses, sins, but they've been made alive together with Christ, for by grace have you been saved. Then verse 6, and he has raised us up with him and made us to sit with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. What does all that mean? It just simply means that we come out of our sin when in response to God's great love and Jesus' sacrifice, in response to that, we obey His, His command like Jesus gave when, before He left this earth. He who believes and is baptized shall be saved. Okay. When we 
obeyed that command, then that baptism is, is a burial and a resurrection. Okay. Notice the words here in Ephesians 2 once again. We were dead through our trespasses, but we're made alive together with Christ. And then verse 6, we're raised up with Him. And Paul makes this very clear in Romans 6 and verse 4 when he says, Therefore we are buried with Him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Life. He made us alive together. We were once in our sins, but now He has resurrected us to a new life. See, a new start. So by grace, we can have a new start in life. That's one thing that God's grace brings to this earth is a new, new start. This new start is not only referred to as a cleansing and a resurrection, but it's also a relationship. Notice here in Ephesians 2, once again, the words that Paul says in verse 13. He says, Now in Christ Jesus, ye that were once afar off are made near, made nigh by the blood of Christ. See that? Even though we were once strangers before God, He can, through the blood of Jesus, through His love and kindness and and mercy, He can bring us near as we submit to His commands and allow the blood of Jesus to wash away our sins. You see, what we were is not nearly as important as what we can become. We were dead in our trespasses and sins bad. But that's not nearly as important as what the Lord can do with us. And the one who is writing this book, Ephesians, we know them as the prison epistles. Philippians and Colossians and Ephesians and Philemon, known as Paul's prison epistles. Paul was once a sinner. Once a sinner. In fact, let's turn over and read what Paul says about it in 1 Timothy chapter 1 right quick. 1 Timothy 1, beginning in verse 12, he said, I thank him who has enabled me. Notice this, 1 Timothy 1 and verse 12, Paul says, I thank him who enabled me, even Jesus Christ our Lord, in that he counted me faithful, appointing me to his service, though I was before, before I was a blasphemer or persecutor and I was injuring everybody, but how be it, I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly and unbelief. And the grace of our Lord, 1 Timothy 1.14, the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant to me with faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. And Paul felt this way. He went on to say in verse 15, he's faithful to saying Christ Jesus came in the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Paul felt it very personally that the Lord had given him a new start. A new start. And we can all have that new start. By God's grace, we can have that new start. Even as Christians, sometimes we wander from the path. As Christians, sometimes we allow... You know, I was talking just a moment ago about someone overwhelmed. What happens there? Well, Jesus said in Luke eight fourteen that the cares and the pleasures and riches of life, they choke out any means of spiritual thought. They choke out the Word of God. They choke out any growth that we can have. And when that gets choked out, we're left pretty, uh, pretty dry. But it doesn't have to be that way. See, 
As Christians, we have an opportunity to come, as, as John says in 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all iniquity. So the first thing that the grace of God can bring to us is definitely a new start. The second part of our lesson this morning is that the grace of God can bring a new heart. Not only a new start, but a new heart. Notice the statement Paul makes here in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 17 as he, as he offers a prayer in the behalf of these uh, Christians. He prays that, that Jesus, that Christ would dwell in their hearts by faith. That Christ would dwell in their hearts by faith. To the end, that being rooted and grounded in love. That Christ may dwell in their hearts by faith. All I did was turn that way. And Aaron Fletcher walked in and this started. Let's try number two. Try that for a couple of minutes. This new heart comes only as we are able to receive Jesus and His Word into our hearts. There is a process here. In order to have this new heart, we've got to drive the bad behaviors out of our heart. From what I understand, and this is not the case with every heart rhythm problem, but in some heart rhythm problem cases, they do what they call an, um, is it called an ablation? Is that pronounced right? Ablation? Anybody know about that? Ablation. Ablation. Well, basically, they burn off the bad cells in the heart. Okay. The misbehaving, what's causing the, the, uh, the rhythm, the, uh, all the heart to get off center, uh, for there to be rhythm problems, they burn off the misbehaving cells of the heart. They take, they take these uh, two very tiny cables and connect them to a vessel, and one of the cables is actually a camera, and the other one is the, the ablation tool, the burning instrument. And it, they'll somehow, through that camera and other devices, they're able to know which parts of the heart is, is misbehaving, causing the rhythm problems, and they're able to burn that part off and, and then settle that heart down and, and um, able to go back to a regular life, uh, hopefully after that. In a similar way, 
for us to receive Jesus in our hearts by faith, we've got to drive out the misbehaving parts of our heart. We've got to drive those things out. Notice here in your Bibles, in Ephesians again, Ephesians chapter 4 this time. Notice in your Bibles, beginning in verse uh, number 17, how Paul begins to talk about this. He says, Therefore I say and testify in the Lord that you no longer walk as the Gentiles also walk in the vanity of their mind. And in verse 18, Being darkened in their understanding, alienated uh, from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them and because of the hardening of their heart. He goes on, to list several things of the heart that need to be uh, driven out. And you get down to the, the end of the uh, chapter in verse 31, Ephesians 4, 31. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and railing be put away from you with all malice. See, driving those things out of the heart. And then replace them with kindness one to another, tenderheartedness, forgiving one another, even as God also in Christ Jesus has forgiven you. God wants to give us a new heart, and through, through knowing about His grace, that can certainly, certainly happen. It's interesting that it says that we've got to receive Jesus into our heart. Jesus is holy. He never did a sin because He is God. He is the Son. He never did sin. 1 Peter 2.22 says... He never did sin, and neither was God ever found in his heart. And so if Jesus is being received in our heart by faith, by listening to the Word of God, then those things which are misbehaving parts must be driven out. Someone has uh, come up with this idea to remember those things that ought not to be in our hearts. And it's called um, the colors of the heart. The question is, is your heart black? Well, if your heart is black, then you have doubt and despair. Doubt and despair. And that needs to be driven away from our hearts. And through the Word of God, the doubt can go away and the despair can go away and we can fully trust in our Lord. Or it could be that your heart is red. And red would refer to fiery red anger and bitterness, and malice, and envy. And that needs to be driven out. So some people have blackness and redness. Some people have just black or just red. Sometimes our heart can become black and red. But also, it can become yellow. Yellow would represent fear, and weakness, and cowardly thoughts and acts. But the color that we want our heart to be, of course, is white. Jesus said in Matthew 5 and verse 8, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Paul said in Philippians 4 and verse 8, Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. And so in order to have Jesus in our heart, we've got to drive these bad parts away from our hearts. You see, the truth is, there's a great connection between our heart and how things go in our life. 
Great connection. Proverbs 4.23, you recall, says, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. And we know that pretty much how we think and what we think about and what drives our thoughts and our minds uh, comes out into our life. If someone says it, you know, what goes into the what goes into the into the wells of our heart uh, comes out in the bucket of life. Whatever's down deep in that well will come out in the bucket, and whatever's in our thoughts will come out into our lives. There are places on earth that where it's difficult to have good water. Good water. The missionary we support in India, his name, it's hard to pronounce his last name, but he goes by Elijah the first name. But part of his ministry, part of the benevolent ministry where he works in, in India is to provide good water because literally people don't have good water to be able to even live. And so in trying to help them know Christ, they first try to serve good physical water for them so they can have a better life. So then, then they can be able to learn about the Lord. You change your water, their, their theme is you change your water, you change your life. Well, for us and for everyone, you know, you change your thoughts, you change your life. And God's grace can remind us of how important it is for Jesus to be residing in our heart. Other religions, other than Christianity, other, other religions have religious leaders. And those leaders will influence even instruct. Okay. But other religions don't talk about their leaders occupying, moving inside our very hearts. And that's what Jesus wants to do. He wants to occupy our minds and our hearts because it's the best thing for us. Not only do you, should we remember Ephesians 3.17, but add to that Colossians 1.27 where the statement is made, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Notice that, Christ in you, the hope of glory. And we can add to that Galatians 2 and verse 20, where Paul said, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. In 1 John 4.15, notice this, in 1 John 4.15, it says, whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he abides in God. And also notice back to the book of Ephesians chapter 4, 4 through 6, there is one body and one spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. See, God wants to, to move in. With the teachings of His Word, He wants to move in and occupy our hearts. And so God's grace and the instructions that we receive from the Word of His grace can help us to receive His Son into our hearts. And by and by, we become more and more like Him. Now... I read about a couple in Dallas going back to the physical heart for just a moment. They, I believe their last name was Storch. 
they had a daughter named Taylor, and she died. 13-year-old Taylor, she died in a ski accident. But they donated Taylor's organs to help somebody else. And so Taylor's heart ended up in a lady's heart in Phoenix, Arizona. First lady's first name, I think, was Patricia. Taylor's mother's name was Tara. Todd, Todd and Taylor, Todd and Tara Storch, and they had a daughter named uh, Taylor. And Taylor's mother's Tara. She said, "I just have one request. I want to be able to go to Phoenix, and I want to hear my daughter's heart inside of Patricia's body." And so once the operation took place and once everything was a success, they did fly to Phoenix. And the two ladies, Tara and Patricia, they embraced for a very long time. And then, yes, she was able to listen to her daughter's heart beat inside Patricia's body. A heart transplant. That is what coming to the Lord is really about in a spiritual sense. Is the Lord wants to give us a brand new heart. A brand new start in life. And a brand new heart. And so, when the Lord looks down upon us and He sees our heart, what does He see? Or, when the Lord looks and listens to our heart. is able to, to look into our hearts. What does he see? Does he still see all these misbehaving cells? Does he see the color black? Does he see the color red? Does he see the color? Does he see fear? Does he see anger? Does he see bitterness? Does he see lust? Does he see selfishness? Or does he see his son? Does he hear the, the beating of his son's heart in our heart? Because the Lord truly wants to give us a new heart. So the Lord's grace is super. And to do justice to the subject of grace, we would need to spend several weeks, even months, yea, even a lifetime studying it. But if we ask the question, what will God's grace do for us? The two answers come to the front. It'll give us a new start. It'll give us a new heart. And let me mention one other thing. It'll give us a new part in the church. Give us a new ministry in the church. Because if we truly are embracing the Lord Jesus and His teachings, and we truly are embracing all that the cross stands for, then we're going to want to share that with other folks. In 2 Timothy 2, 1 and 2, Paul encourages that young man to be strengthened in the grace. And then the next verse he says, And the things which you have heard from me among many witnesses, the same commit to faithful men, who shall be able to tell others also. Hebrews twelve fifteen has kind of a straightforward statement. It says, See to it, see to it, that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. That's a pretty straightforward statement, isn't it? Isn't that, by by and large, uh, just a command to us? Hebrews 12, 15. See to it that no one... You see, that's 
That's the ideal. We started in the beginning that Jesus tasted death for every man. By the grace of God, He tasted death for every man. We, we stated in the, in the beginning, Titus 2, 11 and 12, that the grace of God has appeared to every man. God, 1 Timothy 2, 4, God would have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Hebrews 12, 15, you, you see to it. You who have now, you know the Lord. You who are on the road to heaven. You see to it that no one fails to obtain this grace. This is, this is something no one can live without. So the Lord in His grace can give us a new start, a new heart, and a new part, a new purpose even, for living. This morning as we're about to sing this song of encouragement, there's really no better subject to to meditate upon than what we've been talking about. It's great to be together and aren't we grateful for all the Lord has done for us? We'll talk more about the grace of our Lord later. Right now, it might be that someone is lingering close to God and has been seriously considering obeying the Lord, submitting to Him, giving their entire heart uh, to, to Him. We're here together to assist one another in our walk with God. If we can study with you, if we can speak with you, if we can pray with you, if we can assist you in obeying the gospel, we'd love to do so. Please make that known right now as we stand together, as we sing, Brother Jim.